Pastor Ray Bentley on applying the truth of Scripture. The Bible cannot protect you if it is just sitting on your bookshelf, no matter how much you believe in it. You have to take it personally. You have to say it with your own mouth and believe it in your own heart and use it in your own life circumstances, believing it, appropriating it for your life. That's when it becomes a two-edged sword to which the devil must yield every single time. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. The Bible isn't just a book, any more than the night sky is just white dots in the darkness, or the Grand Canyon simply a hole in the ground. The Bible is God's inspired word to man. It's our spiritual direction and sustenance, and we'll see it helps us have victory over our spiritual adversary. Matthew, the first writer of the Gospel of Matthew, spends a lot of time giving us where Jesus was, what he taught, what he said, what he did in that final week of his earthly life and ministry. This is one of those just very important, powerful messages. So beginning in Matthew chapter 21, verse 23. It says, now when he came into the temple, so that's where we would come every morning, uh, there to teach, to disciple, to prepare. And the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And by the way, who gave you this authority? As the leaders of the nation, they had every right uh, to ask. But we have to be honest, we're amazed at their ignorance. For three years, Jesus has been teaching, and he has been giving miracles and signs and wonders and ample proof that what he says is true and is vindicated and validated by the demonstration of the power of God. So authority. To begin with the idea of authority, you have to realize that the word authority comes directly from the word author. When there's authority, there's an author, and the author is God himself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Paul the Apostle is writing to a young man named Timothy, and he says something very powerful and very profound. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word, inspiration, the original Greek meaning means literally God breathed. By the way, the words in Hebrew and Greek for spirit and breath are synonymous. So God breathed means God's spirit. The authority behind all of Scripture is the authority of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Okay, so note this. 
Jesus defeated the devil by quoting Scripture. At the end of uh, Matthew chapter 3, uh, Jesus is getting baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, and John, as he baptizes him, Jesus comes up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit, the, the eyes of John are open, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove, and John witnesses it, and then a voice speaks from heaven and shakes heaven and earth. As, as if God cannot hold back anymore this divine secret plan of redemption he had for humanity, and there he comes. The incarnation has now grown and is now time to come. He's of age, and God says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So now the Spirit comes upon him. He gets baptized. Now Jesus is ready to minister. This is the three-year ministry that will literally turn the world upside down and bring heaven to the earth. But before Jesus performs one miracle, one deliverance, one resurrection, one healing, he is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So I have a word of application for you that are listening to this message today. The moment that you have your eyes open, the moment that you make a decision, you know what, I've been there, done that, I'm not following the world and my flesh anymore, I'm following the Lord, I'm gonna seek Him. Immediately, you will be met with spiritual, supernatural opposition. Look, if you're in the world and you're already, wahoo, you know, let's go, and you dive into the cesspool, the devil say, fine, he's doing his, on his own. The moment you turn around, you get cleansed through baptism and commitment, and you start serving the Lord, he goes, okay, now we got a problem. I'm going after that guy, starting with the Messiah himself. So he will come against you. Now, do not be discouraged when that happens. The moment you make a decision to say, I'm getting serious with God. I'm tired of all this other nonsense. I want to experience the presence and the power of God. Expect, anticipate, there will be fiery trials that will immediately come. But this is not a sign that you're doing the wrong thing, it's actually evidence you're going in the right direction. Because he'd leave you alone if nothing was going on. But man, now you're dangerous. The moment you surrender to him, you get led by the Spirit, and you defeat the enemy on his own ground and turf, and you go beyond that, now miracles are going to start happening. The kingdom of heaven is going to start opening up, and the world's going to change, and the devil's going to start losing his grip on you. Amen? But I want you to notice, what do we do when the devil comes? How did Jesus use the Scriptures? Here we find in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Let's read this out loud together. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Look, he did this not only for himself to demonstrate who he is, but as a demonstration for all of his followers and all of his children and all of his disciples to follow. So I want you to note what Jesus did not do. Number one, he did not argue with the devil. Do not argue with the devil at all. That's what God... Eve in trouble, and then Adam in trouble all the way back in the garden. We got into an argument and a debate with the devil. Don't argue with the devil. Don't debate with the devil. 
Notice, and there were three temptations. We just read the first one. Each time Jesus was tempted, here's how he responded. It is written. And then he quoted the Scripture. He did that three times. It is written, and then he quoted his Scripture. Now, I want you to notice whenever Jesus said, it is written, and quoted Scripture, Satan changed the subject. What that means is he lost the debate. He lost the battle. Game over. Debate done. It is written. End of story. Well, then he moves on to something else. And then again, it is written. Boom. He lost again. He tried another. It is written. And then he took off and left. Why? Because he knew he had no answer to the Scriptures because it has the power and the authority of the kingdom of heaven and the Word of God. So if you get into an argument and a debate and you're trying to convince him, let alone with your friends or in your own head, Satan's tactic is very simple and threefold, and it hasn't changed from the very beginning. Number one, to doubt. Hath God really? Is that what God said? Did he really say that? Doubt. And then next is disbelief. Well, I can't believe he would say that. Surely he didn't mean exactly what he said. Well, that cannot be true. So you start with doubt, and then you begin to disbelieve. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. And once you give in to doubt, and once you begin to establish disbelief, the third thing is disobedience. Why, that's not even worthy of being obeyed. Just flat out disobey. It has no right in your life whatsoever. So I want to say this to you. That's his tactic, to doubt, disbelieve, Finally, disobey, and you think with no consequences. Oh, yes, there will be consequences. <laughs> and we mentioned some of the things that bring the curse. The reality is that all, the whole human race, all seven billion people, are under a curse. It's called sin. It started in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. We all have it. The proof that that premise is correct is the fact that, you know, the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one person will die. Seven billion and they will die because of sin. Sin brings death. That's proof. So we need to be removed from the curse. That's why Jesus came, and that's why Jesus went on the cross. He was made a curse for us. He took the curse for us, and then he broke the curse right in the middle of its back, and he rose on the third day. And all who believe and trust in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Woo! Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. You were our Billy Graham. Our spiritual walk has been so sweet since we became Christians. To know you was to learn to live the Great Commission and fulfill God's great commandments. Thank you for being such a beautiful inspiration and leading my husband to be such a godly man, which allowed me to become a faithful servant of our Lord. Well done. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. 
There's a scripture in Ephesians 6, and I wish we had time to go into Ephesians 6 because the Apostle Paul kind of dives in this particular uh, chapter and, and describes from divine revelation, God breathed and inspired, how to fight the devil spiritual in a spiritual battle. And he names all these pieces of armor, seven pieces of armor from the head to the toe that are kind of borrowed even from a Roman soldier, uh, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, all of these things. But it's interesting that in one of them he says this, in Ephesians 6, 17, let's read it out loud, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, you'll, you'll notice that in your notes, I put a little funny-looking word, R-H-E-M-A, that is pronounced rhema. Now, some of you may know, but there are probably as many that do not know, there are two different Greek words for word. One is logos, or logos. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. When John in John chapter 1 is talking about the Word that became flesh, obviously it's Jesus, it's the Greek word logos. Logos is the total eternal counsel of God. But rhema is different. Rhema is the second word that is used and translated as word. Rhema is the spoken word of God. And that is the word that the Apostle Paul said, you're in a battle toe-to-toe -to -toe with Satan himself, use rhema. Use the spoken word of God. In other words, you've got to take the word on your own lips, and you've got to declare his word into the battle and into the situation. Taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema, or the spoken word of God, when you are dealing with the devil, you have to meet him by speaking the Word. So what I mean is, it's not good enough that I have a Bible, and I believe in the Bible, and I've read the Bible, and I have my Bible on my shelf. Then the enemy comes in, and it says our enemy goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So when the lion comes in the middle of the night, a nightmare or an accusation or some weird thing that is coming, and then you just go, oh, no, the devil. Okay, and you point to your sword up on the shelf. No, I have a sword. So you're, you're with your friend there going, hey, dude, there's like a lion's about ready to rip your head off. I know, but I have a sword. Yeah, it's on the shelf. Get it. Use it. No, but you don't understand. I believe in my sword. Great. Put your hands on it and use it and go after the lion. That's what I'm talking about. It's not good enough that, no, I believe it. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's inspired and it's on your shelf. It's by your nightstand. That's great. But when the enemy comes, you've got to take that sword in your hand and, as it were, put it in your mouth. And In other words, sword. It's a word with the spirit behind it and you're going to use that sword to pierce the enemy right through. Amen? When he comes against you, so that's why you read the Bible, so you know the Bible, because under a sneak attack, you're able to go, it is written. Boom. Done. He may go on to the next one, then you go, it is written again. 
and he may come a third time. It is written. The Bible cannot protect you if it is just sitting on your bookshelf, no matter how much you believe in it. So I want to just say it very plainly in modern English. The power of the Word of God is released when you quote it in your life. You have to take it personally. You have to say it with your own mouth and believe it in your own heart and use it in your own life circumstances, believing it, appropriating it for your life. Because that's when it becomes a two-edged sword to which the devil must yield every single time. Amen? Amen. All right, so what is the authority for the New Testament? We've talked a lot about the Old Testament. Let's go to John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. Let's read it. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I want to say this, even if you're a baby Christian and a brand new believer, the Holy Spirit inside of you as you read the Bible will begin explaining it to you, teaching it to you, giving you divine revelation. On the other hand, I don't care how smart you are, how many degrees you have, PhDs, understanding in ancient languages, if you have not the Spirit or the Holy Spirit to give you understanding, you will not really gain the knowledge of the divine supernatural power of the Word of God. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul said, the natural mind, no matter how smart it may be, cannot receive the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. So even a young believer and a new believer with the Holy Spirit will get divine revelation, divine understanding, divine interpretation. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's very, very powerful. Now, in John chapter 16, just a couple of chapters later, Jesus went on to say this. Let's read this out loud. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. When the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Word of God opens your eyes to seeing life and situations and the season of life you're in that without the Spirit you cannot. And, but once you see it, it's powerful. It sets you free. And, and also, He will tell you things to come. When you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows the future because the Holy Spirit is God. So He kind of gives you an inner sense of what's coming. It's a powerful advantage to have in a fallen and broken world. In the very next verse, he goes on to say this, and let's read it. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Wow, here is another very important mark of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will always glorify Jesus. If ever there is a spirit or a manifestation of a spirit and it does not honor and glorify Jesus Christ, it is not of God. Whether it's real or not or supernatural or not, if it doesn't honor and glorify the spirit of Jesus Christ, it is not of God and it is to be rejected. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All right, well, let's close with the last 
This is the first of the three parables Jesus now goes into. And I want to note that it is important not only to hear the Word, but to obey the Word of God. We talked about the difference between being blessed and cursed. Blessing comes when you hear the voice of the Lord and then you obey what God says. So here's the first parable that Jesus told in that situation. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first, and he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And that son answered and said to him, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted it. And so he did. He went, and he did serve in his father's fields. Then he came to his second son, and he said, Likewise. And he answered and said, Yes, sir. I go, sir. On my way, sir. No problem, sir. But then he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? These are, he's speaking to the religious leaders, and they said to him, the first one. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, tax collectors, harlots, will enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent or repent and believe in him. In other words, it was the publicans, the sinners, the tax collectors, which means the sellouts economically, the harlots, the immorality. They're the ones who said no to the kingdom of God. We don't care that we're Jews or special people or called or whatever. We want to live our own lives. We're going to do what we want with our flesh, with our happiness, our pursuits for money and pleasure. But they're the ones who went on living in sin and turned their backs on God. But later on in life, they were the ones who had an awakening and they said, what am I doing? This is lousy. This isn't what I thought my life would be. I changed my mind, which is what it means to repent. I'm going back toward God. I'm going to actually start following him, seeking him, living for him, surrendering my life to him. But the Pharisees and the religious leaders were the ones who from the beginning said, yes, sir, we're your chosen people. We're the holy ones. We're the special ones. We're the righteous ones. I like all this other riffraff down here. Yes, Lord. Oh, I'll do it. But it was all lip service. Mere outward religion does not impress God. For the Bible says the Lord does not look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God doesn't really care for lip service. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But he's really looking for those who truly repent, who really wake up, who change their mind like the prodigal son, who really break up the fallow ground, who make a choice to stop doing it their own way and yielding to the wisdom of their father and enter into a relationship with him and to seek after the Lord, even though it's late. They're the ones who are doing the will of their Father, and the ones with all the lip service, yes, 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 very religious, very better than thou, he says, you're not. So it's important for us to give a heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender to you. Uh, you know, if you have come late, that's no problem. God says, you're the ones that will last not only a lifetime, but will last for all of eternity. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Great encouragement today from our studies in the Gospel of Matthew here on Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Glad you've tuned in. Now, today's study is titled Authority and Power. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.